Several years ago, one of my best friends, his name is Granville Robinson, received the news that he was sick. He was very, very sick, actually. He was going to have to have a very difficult, very complicated surgery that was going to last several hours, and it was going to take even longer to recover. It was a really hard time for me personally. Um, I was about to lose a, a good friend for, for his wife. Um, I mean, she was about to lose her companion. For a church family, I mean, Granville was a, an incredible leader. He was, he was such a generous person. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous Jesus follower. And I remember when I received the urgent call to come see my dying friend at the hospital. I knew Granville well, and I knew, I knew that his final destination was not going to be that place, that hospital bed that he had been laying on for, for months. It was going to be way better than that. And I also knew that he had made peace with God through Jesus Christ. But this sickness, man, this, this disease was at war with his body. And I received the news and they told me he just left. Basically, they called me. I was on my phone, on, my, on the cell phone. And they said, Granville just left. He silently slipped out, exited. He departed. He passed, not away, but on. And so the question, of course, comes to mind. And if you've ever lost a loved one, I'm sure you've asked yourself the question, where, where did they go? And, and in what form and to what place and in what manner? And when he got there, what did he see? I mean, who does he know and, or who does she know? And what do, what do they do once they get there? So many questions and so very little, uh, so few answers. And of course, all of those questions flooded through my mind and I wanted to know all the details. And when the, when the breathing of your loved one ceased, when the beating heart in, the, in your womb stopped, when the, the beep in your grandmother's monitor became a flat-lined tone, what happened in that final moment? And what's going to happen to you and to me in our final moment? Because it will come, unless Jesus comes back, unless He comes back first, we're all going to have one last gasp, a final pulse. Your lungs will, will empty. Your blood will stop flowing. And I believe that since this moment is in- inedible, I mean, we're, we're all going to die at some point. I think we should be prepared, shouldn't we? And so when the question, when we ask the question, or when people ask the question, what happens when we die is a great question. Usually you'll, you'll hear four, many different answers, but I'm, there are four different answers that are very common that you'll hear. Four, four different worldviews. Some people will say, you know, nothing happens. You will decay, your body will decay, and you'll disintegrate. Death is a dead end. Uh, our works, your, re- your legacy, your reputation, that may survive for a time, but not for long. And, but for sure, you know, you're, once you die, you're, you die and that's the end. Some people believe that you'll be like a ghost, right? Like phantoms of, of your past. Uh, if you've seen the 1990s movie Ghost, um, 
it, it is, uh, man, just, just even saying that makes me feel a little bit old. I can't believe that. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, and it, 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 if you haven't seen it, you won't get the reference, but it, it basically has the idea that once you pass, you turn into sort of like a ghost. And some people believe that, um, you know, and, and the question we're asking is what's, what's going to happen when we die? Some believe that you'll, you'll be a hawk or a cow or you turn into maybe a car mechanic in a totally different part of the world. And for some, this idea of reincarnation, you know, basically, like if you're good, you know, you get good rewards, you know, you basically get rewards, you get rewarded or punished according to your behavior. And when you come back to this earth, you're going to come back in a different body or maybe just a, as a part of the universe. But we return to what we were before we were what we are now. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but... Some people believe that, some folks, that like we bury the soul when we bury the body, like wrapping a, a hot dog, you know, never, you're never going to see those two again. They're gone, both body and soul, gone forever, okay? Like others propose that, no, it's not like that. Like other people believe like your spirit abandons the body, sort of like a, a, a butterfly escapes the cocoon, and, and then you have Christianity. And Christianity makes a different kind of argument. It's a, it's a new thought. It's a surprising idea. And this is what Christianity says. Christianity says that what you had before in death, you're going to have after in death only better. Much, much, much better. Let me say that again. What you have before in death, like your body, okay, your spirit, your soul, um, you will have after death, but it's only going to be better. So in other words, you, you're going to go to paradise if you're a believer, you go into heaven. And then when Jesus Christ returns, you're going to receive a spiritual body. And you're going to live in a restored universe, a new heaven, a new earth. And this is what, basically what Christianity says is this is the promise of God. This is... Like this, this whole idea of Easter, this, this whole promise of the gospel hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like the Christian hope depends entirely on the assumption that Jesus Christ died a physical death, left an actual grave, ascended into heaven where he is right now and he is reigning over as basically the head of the church that is what we call the easter miracle and if you believe in that then everything changed everything changed now i want you to for just a moment whether you're a believer or not maybe you um, you're listening to this and you have questions and that's fine we love people that have questions in fact you don't have to believe what we believe at LifePoint in order for us to love you. We'll love you regardless. But I want you to just imagine for a moment. Just just take a second and just picture this. Play along with me. Imagine that it's Easter morning, pretty much like today. And, you know, it's Sunday morning. Jesus was executed on Friday. The sky was dark. The, uh, The disciples, I mean, they scattered the Roman 
executioner, uh, the guy that literally executed Jesus, probably wondering about breakfast. It's been three days, you know, or maybe he's wondering what, you know, work has for him or his next day off. I don't know. But he's not thinking about the guy that he put on the cross because that's that's a job that he, he was used to doing. The Romans, Jesus was not the first to be crucified. So this guy, he was used to, um, that's, that was his job. He nailed this guy to the cross. He pierced him with the spear so he would speed up the process. And Jesus was dead. He had been buried. This was yesterday's news, right? No. God is going to shake things up once again. Now, I want you to listen to what God's Word says. So we're in Matthew chapter 28. I want to begin in verse 2. Okay, so we're going to begin in verse 2. This is what God's Word says. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I would, I would have loved to have been there just to see this. Um, can, can you see it? A huge earthquake I mean, all over the place. This angel comes from the Lord and he basically goes to the tomb. And it says this, his, his appearance was like lightning. I can't imagine. Can you fathom that? I can't even... Picture that in my mind. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook. And they became like dead men. They're like literally shaking. They're, they're about to faint. They're, they're about to have a panic attack. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I love the grace that our Heavenly Father shows in a moment of fear, in a moment where like nobody knows it's a a matter of life and death. These soldiers were, these were, they were not like, like just little boys, you know, or girls. Like these soldiers are, they're Roman soldiers and they're shaken. They have been trained for war. And these guys are so afraid. And when the angel speaks, he says, don't be afraid. I love the grace that our Heavenly Father shows us in times like this. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus. That would have been strange. I mean, if like, wow, okay. Who was crucified. It says, he, it's not here. He, probably the most powerful words in all of the gospel, in all of scripture, he's not here. He has risen. Just like, like just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see. Let me show you. He's not here anymore. Listen, if those words had never been spoken, if the body of Jesus had been decayed into the dust, into the dirt inside that tomb, you and I, we probably, you wouldn't be listening. I wouldn't be communicating this message. You would not be listening. We would not be uh, celebrating the promise of Easter. This moment changed the course of history. 
But the beauty is this, the beauty of Easter is that the words were spoken and that the promise was made more than once on multiple occasions. Jesus appeared to the women uh, near the tomb. He appeared at other times to other women. He uh, showed up to the followers in the upper room. Remember those guys? He appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, his fries, his uh, not fries, his uh, his friends, not fries, his friends on the shore of Galilee. He showed up there, uh, fed them breakfast. He spoke with them. He he ate with them. He 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 allowed them to touch his body, and they heard his words, and they were convinced that Jesus was risen from the dead. There was no question about it. There was no like let's investigate if this is true. Let, there was no like no research to be done. No, they actually saw him with his own their own eyes. They touched him. They talked to him. They followed him. And they drew this conclusion. They said this. His resurrection, this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the conclusion they came up with. They said his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, is the proof and the promise that we need. I want you to hear me carefully. Jesus' resurrection is the proof and the promise that I need. It is the proof and the promise that you need. And what God did for him, he's going to do for us. And so what the Christians said in the first century, what they said is that Jesus basically rose from the dead and he was what what we know of as the first fruits. Have you ever heard that term before? He he was the first fruits. And you know, it's it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 and verse 23. Uh you can you can read a little bit more about it there. Uh but basically, and I'm not a farmer. Um I'm not I don't um I'm a city boy. But the what I've heard is that the first fruits is basically the first taste of the harvest. Does that make sense? So, so the, the farmer can basically anticipate the nature of the crop by sampling the first crop, the first fruit. And in, in the same way, we can anticipate our own resurrection by trusting the empty tomb of Christ. Have you ever thought about it like that? So here's what it's going to happen to our bodies. If you've ever asked that question, what happens to our bodies? I mean, there is, I, I cannot, I don't even want to watch the news anymore because of all the people that have been dying. I mean, it is heartbreaking. And honestly, it was like messing with my mind and heart. And, and like, I just, I had to slow down because I was watching way too much. But let me just tell you what Christianity believes, what God's Word, I believe, tells us. This is what I believe we learn from the Lord. When you die, your spirit immediately enters into the presence of God. If, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, okay? Um, the Bible says, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
Okay, so there's not something that I'm making up. That's the promise of God. You will enjoy conscious fellowship with our Heavenly Father and with those people who've gone before you, who've died before you, and they're believers. So we believe that's true because part, partly, I mean, there's a lot of scripture references, but one of them is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I think it was in, in Philippians that he said, yeah, Philippians 1, verse 21, he says this, listen to this. This is, his, this is Paul's personal take. He says, for, for me, living means living for Christ. I mean, there's nothing else. And dying is even better. So if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I'm going to die, man, that's even better. And then he puts it like this. He says, but if I live, <clears throat> if I li- live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I- I'm torn between two desires, he's saying. I-, I long, listen to these words, I long to go and be with Christ which would be far better for me. But I don't know, because if I stay, I can do some work for the Lord. And so here's what you need to understand, okay? If you believe in Scripture, Paul had this conviction that his last breath on earth would be followed by his first glimpse of Christ in paradise. Do you get that? I know not everybody believes that, but that was the conviction that he felt in his heart. That's what he believed. He believed that his last breath here on earth would be followed by the first glimpse of Christ in paradise. And I believe the same is true for you. You say goodbye to a loved one here on earth. You say hello to your heavenly father. You, you will enjoy this incredible relationship. I don't think that there's anything like it on earth. I mean, uh, Katie, the other day, you know, we went on this cruise uh, about a month ago and we were talking about, um, basically, we were talking about uh, what happens after we die and uh, heaven and all of those things. And Katie, our 13-year-old, our middle child, she said, Heaven is going to be like a cruise, like every day, like cruising every day, you know. And I thought, I think that's, that's a great way for her, uh, in her mind, to, to, to see it and to understand it. It's going to be so much fun. And for her, the cruise was like this amazing week, week where, where she was just, man, you could eat at any time. You could have ice cream at any time. You could, you know, we let her be free so she could walk all over the cruise. I mean, this, this thing was massive and there were shows and there was entertainment and there were free drinks and uh, uh, all of that. Like she could have Coke anytime she wanted to have Coke and she could get in the pool and she loved it. And so the other day when we were talking about heaven, basically she said, heaven is going to be like, like, like you're on a cruise every day. And so, yes, you say goodbye to your loved ones here on earth, but you say hello to God and you'll really enjoy this incredible relationship with our Heavenly Father, until one day Jesus Christ returns. And then when He comes back, the Bible says this. Look, look at it. Look at this verse, John 5. And I'm kind of jumping around just so you get the point. But it says this, John 5, verse 25, 28, and 29. It says this. I've kind of put them all together for you. It says this. 
Um, then the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And all who are in their graves will hear his voice and they will come out. Okay? Like that's kind of like, that's a little bit freaky. Like that's the stuff that maybe you see in scary movies. Okay? Like, holy cow, like what are you talking about? The graves will open up and the dead will hear his voice and they will come out. That's what the scripture says. Basically, Jesus is going to come back to gather us, kind of like when you, uh, like if you're having supper uh, and, and maybe you call the kids, you call the whole family, hey kids, hey, you know, you call your husband, you call your wife, hey, it's time to eat. And you gather the family. In, in a similar way, the Bible says, in fact, here's another reference, Jeremiah 31 verse 10. In Jeremiah 31 verse 10, uh, God says, this is the Lord who scattering his people will gather them together. So Jesus will come back. He will, he will, you know, I mean, I just cannot imagine how this is going to look, but all the graves are going to open up and we're going to meet him in the air, the Bible says. Now, I have stood in cemeteries and tried to imagine this moment. Like close to our houses, there is this small country cemetery. The headstones are faded, you know, beyond recognition is hard to to read even some of the names. Uh, no dirt has been turned for centuries. Sometimes uh, you can read a few of the names. Sometimes you can read like, like several have the same last name and you assume and that's, that's a family probably that was buried there. There are millions of burial spots around the world like that one that's, like, that's close by our house. Now, if God's word is true, someday... We're going to witness a miracle beyond words. The same God who shook the soil of Jerusalem will shake the soil of this simple cemetery and every other cemetery in our planet. The grass will be pushed back from within. The caskets will be opened. The bodies of these forgotten people that we don't even know who they are anymore, they'll be you know, calling to the sky. Spirits will be reunited with their bodies, with their glorified bodies, their new bodies. Can you picture that? I mean, I know it's, it's out of this world. It is out of this world. It's, it's, it's incredible to even fathom that. And you know what our greatest example is? Jesus. Jesus, his, his resurrected body looked a little bit like his crucified one, but only a little bit. And he's our greatest example of this whole idea of the resurrection. Jesus' disciples who lived with him for, for three years, I mean, not like, like they literally journeyed with him. They walked with him for three years, day in and day out. They didn't even recognize him at first. Mary Magdalene, remember Mary? In John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18, she didn't recognize him. The disciples, the Emmaus disciples in Luke chapter 24, they didn't recognize him. The 12, they in John 21, I think it is, 21 verses 1 through 7, they had no idea. I mean, they all saw Jesus, but they, they didn't really see him. You know, they, they didn't see him as Jesus. I mean, he did some familiar physical things like walking and eating. I mean, he did things that he had done before. 
but his appearance was different. He appeared in a different form. Now, let me explain it. Maybe, maybe this will make sense. Imagine that you, you're, you're looking at, at a picture of when I was a kid. Okay, Maybe I was a toddler, just very young, an infant, something, you know, years ago, many, many, many years ago. Uh, I think you would experience something similar to what the disciples experienced. Like if you, if you look at a picture, if you study the photos of me, like when I was a kid, you, would, you may find a common trait. Like you may see like the shape of my nose or the looks on my eyes. I mean, if you're smart enough, you would notice that, yes, I, there was a day when I had hair, you know, and I've changed a whole lot. Um, but it's not just me, right? Like you too. Like if, if you were to look at a picture when you were a kid, you know, I wonder what you looked like. If you look at a picture when you were an infant, you may, may be able to find some common traits if you focus, right? Like your mouth or maybe, maybe if you had a, a mole or uh, the angle of your ears. But finding common traits would require a lot of focus because we've all changed. Now think about this. We've all changed, but not nearly as much as you will one day with your resurrected bodies. Your new bodies will be so much better. In fact, listen to what 1 John chapter 3 says. Listen to this, verse 2. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Like we don't know what we're going to be like, like what's, what this is going to look like. But this is one thing that we know. We do know that we, watch this, will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. We will be like Him. I mean, think about it. Think of all the people who are our heroes, our, our veterans, our, all, of, all of the people who fought for us in wars and they've lost an arm or they've lost a leg. They, they had to be, um, they were amputated. Think of the people who have been infected with the coronavirus. Think of the people who've been, you know, bedridden for years or people who are anemic or all the people that that, that have cancer, that have died of cancer or the the deformities that maybe they were born. You know, you can count on this promise. This is huge. This changes everything because we live in a broken world. We will be like Him will be like Jesus. If you're on a wheelchair, if your body's getting old, if your back is hurting, if your eyes, if you can't see, like, you know, I was trying to read the, the verses and I was kind of doing this number like I couldn't, I couldn't see my, my phone, you know. And I just went to the eye doctor. If you can continue to deal with the migraine headaches and the high blood pressure, if you're overweight or if you need to gain weight, if you deal with sinus pressure or just the daily grind, the daily stress, you can take this promise to heart. We will be like Him. We're going to graduate from this version. 
we're, we're going we're gonna to update. We're going to update. It's going to be a big update. We're going to enjoy a new body. Kind of like when you buy a new phone. Like, I don't know if you've ever had like a really old phone and it's, man, the thing, the battery runs down and the thing doesn't work and half of your apps can't even open because, you know, the, the phone is just old and you get a new phone and the thing, like, you can just fly, you know, you can just like, it's amazing. It's kind of like that. Or maybe like getting a new car, like after you, I mean, it's been 15, 20 years, I've never had a new car and you buy a new car and it's like, man, this is even the smell, this thing. Ah, oh, it smells so good. It smells like new car. It's kind of going to be like that. A new body made for heaven and earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Now, here's my goal today. This is what I've been praying for all week. I've been asking, Lord, please help me give a message that will communicate what's in my heart. And, um, and here's what God's put in my heart to tell you. This is just a one-point message, one-pointer. Here it is. Here's my prayer for you today, that you would let the hope of tomorrow bring you strength for today. Do you get that? My prayer is that you would let the hope of tomorrow bring you strength for today. With all the junk that we're dealing with, all the stress uh, like I said, I don't even want to turn on the news. It's depressing. All the deaths that we've had this week. Let, let the hope of tomorrow bring you strength, bring you, bring you, bring you strength for today. You know, sometimes when I'm tired, like sometimes, uh, you know, I'll do some yard work or I'll... I'll um, you know, spend uh, all day on a project. I remember like the pool last year, you know, we put this pool together, uh, um, above ground pool. And it was like, it took us like three days. I mean, we were working, it was the middle of the summer, 110 degrees. It was sunny every day. It was crazy. Sometimes when I work like that all day outside, Natalie will bring me a glass of iced cold water, kind of like, kind of like this one right here. And I'm telling you, it is incredible. Like she is, like when she does that, like she's my favorite kid. No lie. All right. Like I don't even ask her because I'm focused. You know, if you know me, like I, I got to get the thing done and I'm, I, have, I get tunnel vision. And then, you know, I have not eaten breakfast, lunch, supper, like nothing. It's the end of the day. And Natalie will bring me a glass of water. And I'm... Ah. And I'll think, man, this is so good. It is so refreshing. And I'll say, like, thank you, Natalie. You are the best kid. <laughs> I mean, she will. She can't do anything wrong for, for days after she does that. It's rejuvenating. And spiritually speaking, it's the same way. Spiritually speaking, when you let... The hope of heaven, if you let the hope of heaven bring you strength for today, it's a game changer. So let the promise of the resurrection bring you, just like Natalie brought me that glass of water, let the promise of the resurrection bring you strength that you need in, in a stressful time like this. 
Let the hope of heaven refuel you and bring you comfort and peace. Don't try to do it all on yourself. You cannot solve all the problems on your own. There's too many. You cannot figure out every problem that you have. I know that you're trying to, and, I, and I'm there with you. I try on a regular basis. I'm preaching this message to myself. But let the promise of Jesus, of the power of the resurrection, let it sink in and let it calm you down. Let it bring comfort to your pain and peace to your stress. I want to close with these words. These are, this is, I believe, the message that God has for you. Second uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse sixteen. It says this: "So we're not giving up. How could we? You know, our hope is too great. Our Savior is too great. He's already paid the price. He's already paved." the way to heaven. So we're not going to give up. Are you kidding me? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. I I totally agree. No joke. You know, I don't have to remind you of that on on weeks like this, this last week. On the inside... Even though the, everything is collapsing, even though you feel like the, your world is like you're free falling, it says this on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. The Bible says that his mercies are new every day, that the sun is still rising every day. Let, let, let the sunrise be a gift for you. And so, yeah, everything is collapsing. Things are going crazy. You know, you don't, you know, people are losing their jobs. I get it. And I, and I, I, I pray for you. Trust me, I've, I've prayed for, for you more than I've ever prayed for this church every day. Watch this. These hard times are small are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. In other words, this, all, this, all the junk that we're having to, to go through right now, it's nothing in comparison to, the, to the, the, the common good times, the lavish celebration that's prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here and today, gone tomorrow. But the things we cannot see now we will, will last forever. So, my friend, wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, let the resurrection power be your strength today. Let it give you peace and discernment and may it encourage you to love others may it encourage you to live in unity let all the stress and all the junk let it put it in its rightful place there is nothing that will hold us back because we have a savior who loves us and who god 
brought him back from the dead. Love you. Let me pray for you. If you're not a believer, please let us know. Get in touch with us. Send me a message. If this is the time for you to give your life to Him, don't live another second without the hope of Jesus Christ. Everything can be taken away from us. Our health, our jobs, our friendships. The one thing that can never be taken away from you is your hope in Christ. And so if you've never made a decision for Him, I hope that today will be the day. It's just a simple prayer. Just ask Him. You don't need religion. You don't need me. You don't, I'm not your priest. You just, just ask the Lord, save me. Forgive me of my, my sins. I recognize that you died and you came back from the dead and you paid the penalty that I was supposed to pay. See, Jesus was the bridge to a holy Father. He was our lifeline. And so all you have to do is just trust Him. There's nothing else that you have to add to the equation. Just trust Him. That's it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for the power of the resurrection. God, may it speak to us in unique ways. I know we're all dealing with different situations, but God, may it provide, may the resurrection power provide the strength that we need today. May the hope of tomorrow bring us the strength that we need from you. The peace, the supernatural peace that passes all understanding that only you can provide. And for that, we trust you and we love you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.